Hello, Esther Deborah here, and this is Agape Love. Love is here. This is one of the many video sections of the ministry of Pastor Deborah, helping people the Lord's way. Please enjoy the video, and we look forward to you coming again. Pastor Deborah hopes you enjoy hearing about how she has learned. How to help people the Lord's way and have her many wonderful spiritual experiences throughout many, many years of helping people. Welcome again to a video of Agape Love, Love is Here Ministries. This is Pastor Deb. Love always and forever. Hello again. Pastor Deborah here. And we are in another teaching. From Isaiah 61, verse 8. I believe this is part 11. I have been shocked and wonderfully um, amazed at the deepness and depth of the Word of God. I have learned in so far 10 different segments and sessions of teaching of just one little portion of Isaiah 61 verse 8. How deep the thoughts of God are. I have learned so much about him. And I'm ready to keep learning. Are you? How many here today? Oh my goodness, I'm looking out over in the spirit. I see you as far as I can look. Sitting with listening ears and open hearts. Yes, we're in the garden. Yes, we're in the spirit. And yes, people can come. Excuse that noise you hear. My firewall likes to talk to me and tell me something, but I ignore it. My ushers are seating even more people. Yes, the ushers are the animals of the Garden of Eden. And angels. You might as well get used to being around living, glorious creatures. Because that is what the new you was always supposed to be around. What do you mean the new you? Well, originally, we were brand new. Like new babies. We were created and came out of the realm of the heart of God himself. And then he took from this earthly world. And at that time, the earth was not filled with sin or death, decay. So it was here, but it had no power on us yet. We were created physically from that wonderful source, the earth. It was a seen world that had the spirit world, the unseen, in it. God was expanding his territory. Did you know as a king, the king of heaven, God the Most High, had already created the entire spiritual realm, the realm of the unseen. But all kings love to expand. We see that throughout our history and take more territory. But this was a unique situation. For we had an evil wicked angel his name was Lucifer who had perverted his godly 
given thoughts in his place and he actually became Satan the adversary of God he had become a trespasser a sinner in the kingdom well God couldn't leave that in the unseen realm the kingdom of heaven it caused enough problems caused one third of angels those all under Lucifer's the son of the morning's authority he had to kick them out exile them somewhere so God had prepared already this other land where he was going to cast this Lucifer and one third of the angels down to it was a lower place sort of and it was called the ground it was earth where we eventually showed up and they came down here they left this wonderful realm this high glorious place and they fell cast down to earth now at that time man was not here but the dinosaurs were the big reptiles and Satan learned from them God was in preparing this land for humanity to come if you look at science you will learn that at first was there was no trees it was volcanoes earthquakes fire and there wasn't an atmosphere that is where this Lucifer who became Satan fell to no he didn't fall here in the garden this garden is a spot a special place on earth that man when he was created was birthed into he was made of the dirt of the earth covered him up because he's a spiritual being and he was placed in this garden it's like you could be born anywhere in a car you could come out of the womb in dirt anywhere then somebody picks you up and puts you someplace so you can eat and grow and be nurtured so man was created out of the was covered sort of with the dirt of this earth and then placed in this garden where we are to be nurtured to grow to interact so man was a unique creature now satan was already here his one-third of his demonic angels were already here they for somehow satan was able to come into the garden but he couldn't come in his normal appearance by that time it was ugly perverted and twisted it wasn't of a glorious nature so satan had to come in disguise he got himself a spiritual being inside what they call a serpent something that hung in trees maybe climbed trees had four legs he asked that creature if he could come inside his body and the creature allowed him he didn't know anything about this satan guy either so that is how satan got into the garden to talk with woman not eve eve was not named it but woman and this creature he was actually spiritually inside of an earthly dirt body called a serpent and satan who was in there spoke to woman interacted with her 
And that didn't seem strange to her because she had heard animals in the garden, as you'll learn, they talk. Mm -hmm. So we're here in this garden. No, Satan cannot come in here anymore. No, he cannot come inside of you if you have any of his demonic spirits in you. They're not allowed. This is a wonderful place where your spirit can freely come. And you can learn. You might be in a dream right now. You might be dreaming of castles or of meadows or peaceful places. You might just feel peace. So here in the garden where we are, when you watch this, we're teaching. This is a teaching place. It's a school. It's a place to be cleansed. A place to be re-nourished. A place to have deliverance done and healing. It's a place to be in this presence of this creator of the garden. This creator of the kingdom of heaven. The creator of his son, Christ Jesus. So that's where we are and everybody's down. Okay, everybody's ready. Let's open up with prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Christ Jesus, your Son, the living Word made flesh. I come and I bring all of these wonderful, precious human spirits. Our ears are open to hear your words. Our minds are ready to perceive and receive your word. Our mind is ready to understand what you're telling us. The hidden words behind your message. We know you're a king of a mighty kingdom. And we are in your territory. For we know that the kingdom of heaven has this garden called Eden. The place of your presence. We come... We sit, we listen, whether we are in a dream or just having a vision. Teach us, Father, through the words. Reveal to us what's been hidden. Help us to understand you, your heart, your mind, and to draw closer to you. In the name of Christ Jesus, amen. Everybody ready? All right, we'll do a quick review of part 10. In part 10, we finished up with some stories of Pastor Deborah. And we are dealing with Isaiah 61, verse 8. The little portion in there that says, And I, that means the Lord, will direct their work in truth. We have been working through that, what that means. We started with Isaiah 61, verse 1. We saw that we needed healing, deliverance. We needed something preached to us and told to us. The doors were open. We needed to have new clothes and robes. We needed a lot of work. We were a mess. And throughout Isaiah 61, he is was a prophet... Somebody that heard from God. And he is telling us many thousands of years before the fullness of time had come, what was coming. And Isaiah 61 tells us we were a mess and we needed some help. And when we got that help, we would become glorious trees of righteousness. 
pillars standing tall. Down here, in this darkened place, our light would shine out of us. That would be him. And he would be leading us and guiding us and helping us as we learned and grow. And we got to verse 8. And we learned that he was telling us he hated these robbers who robbed him of his burnt offerings. That was Satan and his demons. The burnt offerings he was talking about was his praise and worship that was to come to him. But when this robber and the thief got involved, the burnt offerings that went up were false. They were not in the spirit. And if they were, they were done in ignorance, not truth. Because this archangel, Lucifer, that had become Satan, stole them. He stole those burnt offerings through ignorance and slavery and captivity. And he put humanity into cages, into cells of ignorance and darkness. They didn't know what they were doing. So everything was not done in truth. So we learned that he hated that. We learned who the robbers were and the thieves. And we learned what they stole. And he says, okay, now that you know that, I, I'm not against you. Even though when you worshipped me through Baal and many different things, you were doing it in ignorance, even though I told you don't do it. You spiritually were still stuck in the flesh. You were not reconnected to me yet. So spiritually you were worshipping other things now you were trying to get from them what only I could give but since this Lucifer had been cast down to this world he created around it a government a kingdom and a system that he had desired to do in heaven and we had talked about I think his five I wills he wanted to be as God in the kingdom but that didn't work out for him so when he came and was cast down here he says round one they were just so happy they could do whatever they got way out of control and God had to bring a great flood wipe everything out so Satan then said okay that is not going to work in that form and he started rebuilding this kingdom called darkness, ignorance, with humanity. He got a governing system like he sort of remembered in heaven. There has to be a God, a Lord, a King. It has territory. It has servants. It has priests and kings. And they take territory. So Satan went about forming his own kingdom called darkness, which equals ignorance. And it rules by ignorance down here. So humanity and its spirit lived in that for a, until this young man named Christ Jesus came along. So he is saying, you're in a mess. When I get you cleaned up and get you sort of born again, I'm going to start all over. Now I need to give you history so you can be wise in this world and you will have knowledge of this kingdom of darkness that you lived in that is still here and all of its ways and deeds and acts 
and words and concepts and ideas so you won't fall back into the trap again. So a lot of teaching now had to occur to us. And one of them, he says, I have to direct you. This is that little section, remember, of verse 8. He says, you don't know what's out there. You're a little baby. So I must teach you. And how I do that is I direct you. I lead you and guide you through many different ways, through experiences, through books, through preachers and teachers, through visions and dreams. And I've got to talk to you now what the truth is. So I have to lead you to the truth about who you were in the beginning, what happened to you, how you have lived, and where you're going. Lots for him to direct us. So we are learning that he is a busy God. He is always working with us. He has a lot to do to help us. We're like little infants and babies. We need a lot of parenting and modeling and teaching. A lot of schooling and classrooms. We've got to learn how to talk. We've got to learn how to get control of our body. We have to learn how to be obedient to him even if we don't want to and we don't understand why we have to grow up we have to mature and if we don't we stay as a child in here and we act just like a child and he says if you live that way and you think and that's all you you, you sort of get stuck in elementary school and we see that called in mental health counseling of which I used to be a part of borderline personality it means you're stuck you might have one foot in childhood and you want to be a child and you have all the emotions and as a child you have another foot sort of in a young teen or youth but you don't want to really be fully responsible with work and family and people You haven't got your emotions under control. You're a borderline. Your fullness of your personality is just like that. That's what they call that. So he says you've got to grow and I have to help you. My job is to teach you through my Holy Spirit and pastors like Pastor Deborah and teachers and books and movies. Did you know how he taught me? I was saved at maybe four or five. We watched movies. We had bedtime stories. I watched my parents. I watched church, family, friends. Then I started reading on my own. Then it started coming on television. We went to church. We heard sermons. We had Sunday school, choir, songs. Then movies came out. Movies of the Bible were made. The Bible is now online. I actually just put up the audio video Bible on the website. Of agape love, love is here. But do you know how many Bibles I have read? I still have my original one when I used to be called Debbie from way back in my maybe 8, 9, 10. And I've always read the King James Bible. Why? I don't know. That's what was given. And I'm able to switch the these and the thes out and do it real easily. And I like it because. Uh, I studied the other Bibles. I don't want anybody commenting on it to me. I want 
the Bible, just the direct translation. Then I ask the Holy Spirit to give me what it means. And when he gives it to me, then I can give it to you. He's used movies with me. He's used documentaries. He's used personal experiences. He's used testimonies of other people. God will use everything he can to help you. He'll use nature. He'll use good experiences, bad circumstances. He'll use the life of a baby being born, the death of the abortion of a baby to reach you. He will not waste anything in helping you to learn and grow. Our problem is some of us don't want to grow up because it means you have to be responsible. And you have to change your life, maybe your culture, and you will be held accountable. And I had to learn that. It's very serious. So let's get into verse 8. I hope this is the last section, part 11. But let's start off with Scripture. Proverbs 25, 2. It is the glory of God to conceal a thing, hide it from But the honor of kings, that be humanity, to search out a matter. When we are a child, and our parents tell us, don't cross the street without looking both ways. As a child may not understand what all that means. Our parents have hidden the consequences. They might say you might get hit and die, but we don't know what that means because our minds are not there yet. They're hoping we will just learn to obey them. They don't want to tell us the bad things that could happen because we're not ready to understand them and to learn. Let's go in to verse 8. We were working through the scriptures of John 6. 25 through 66 and it was the story of these multitudes who had eaten free food after they had sat for many days in the wilderness with this young Jesus and they loved it when you give people free food earthly things they will follow you because they want more so they followed this Jesus across the sea of Galilee we learned in part 10 and 9 to get more and the scriptures we're going to pick up with are still in John 6 25 through 66 we're going to pick up where we left off we are in verse 45 it is written says Jesus in the book in the words of the prophets at this time there was no four gospels There was no New Testament. All they had was the Old Testament. That's all. And all these young men were supposed to have gone to church, synagogues, read it, studied it, been taught it at home, and supposed to know it. But that's all they had. He said, And they shall be all taught of God, he says. Every spiritual man, therefore, that has heard these spiritual words in their spirits and has spiritually learned perceived and now understands and now sees and knows the truth is directed is led is guided in this truth lot to do before you can be guided in a truth 
You have to hear with your spiritual ears. Now your soul will be hearing also, but to the soul, all of this spiritual stuff is just foolishness to it. And it has a hard shell, a veil, a foreskin on it. Whereas the word comes, it's like water. It just runs off. It's not going to get through. So Jesus' words are always spirit. They're trying to go through that, but it doesn't go through it. It can't. But it does in the unseen realm. It goes to the spirit. Now the spirit has the same nature of the soul. Because it was one with it. It was the tail. So it has the same beliefs and thoughts as the soul. But God's word is able to get to it. So these words of spirit. They're talking to you little ones right now. In your spirit. Your physical body is someplace else. Could be in a dream. Could be in prayer time. Could be in meditation. And he says, in order for my truth to direct you, you must spiritually hear. And you must spiritually learn, perceive, understand, plant, and get rooted. So I can lead you and guide you in this truth of the spiritual father. At this time, nobody thought of a god as their father. Now they believed these other gods had children. But they were gods themselves. They weren't a human. So they had no concept of this relationship. This God and us humanity as a family. That he was our father. That was something new to them. So that was a strange teaching to them. And he goes that... Only this father can direct you. And he calls you and he draws you. Helps you to believe unto him. The word. To help us understand. Let's go to Isaiah 54.13. Isaiah 54.13. But we're really going to go 1-14. through 14. Listen to who man was at this time with Jesus and why they are being drawn and called and where they are being drawn to. You have to have these truths to understand this direction, this being called, being led in this work in truth. Isaiah 54 verse 1. This is the word coming from an Old Testament prophet named Isaiah. Sing, O barren, that means us, spiritual, that you did not bear. You didn't bring forth your spiritual fruit of righteousness and eternal life. You that has not broken forth into singing. It's talking about the spirit now. And crying. Singing, praising aloud, O you spiritual man, that have not travailed with a child. You have not brought forth other spiritual life. You have not borne spiritual fruit. You have not been a spiritual parent to others. You have not become a life-giving spirit, is what he's saying. For more 
are the children of the fruit of the desolate, the barren, the forsaken spiritual. There are more of them that keep getting born and raised in that darkness. They are more, more of them are being born than what you're doing and that are not filled with this eternal life, which means fruit of the married of you and my spirit says the Lord verse 2 enlarge your spiritual heart your mind your understanding the spiritual place of your tent and let them stretch forth the curtains the veils the walls of your habitations living in the darkness your soul and its flesh and bone enlarge your thoughts be willing Open the windows and let freshness come. Your carnal nature must give way, you say. Spare not, lengthen your cords and strengthen your stocks. Don't give in to the soul. I'm trying to go past that. I'm trying to talk to the spirit part. Verse 3. For you shall break forth, he's talking to the spirit, out of the flesh, by a Hebrews 4.12 experience. A new spiritual creature. Life will break forth on you. With its light. You're going to come out. On the right hand. And on the left. And your seed. Your righteousness. Shall inherit the Gentiles. You'll get them. You'll bring them in. And make the desolate cities of the Gentiles their spirit. Their entire... God looked at our spirit as a city. All the different chambers and thoughts and... It was a city to him. And he says, these Gentiles who don't know me, those cities of the spirit are desolate. And they're uninhabited by my Holy Spirit. And my words of truth and light... Verse 4, fear not, for you shall not be ashamed in this, neither will you be confused, for you shall not be put to shame if you do this. You shall forget the shame of your youth before I came along, your youth in darkness when you were a child, and you did not have my truth and were not directed and had not grown. And you shall not remember the reproach, the humiliation of your widowhood. No spiritual children, not a life-giving spirit to others anymore. See, the spirit, us, was to be a life-giving spirit. It was to bring this life of eternal life to others. And it was to reproduce bring forth more children but because we were not doing that he said the desolate places you are not reproducing replenishing bringing forth other children you are not a life giving spirit to others verse 5 for your maker is your husband he says The Lord of hosts is his name. And your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, the God of the whole earth, shall he be called. 
He's saying when you come into partnership with me. I am as in one area your husband. You spirit man are as my wife. Together we will conceive. We will bring forth children. We will go and we will give life. We'll give my word, my light. Out of you, the seeds I plant in you of truth will bring forth children. We'll go get those others with desolate cities, their spirits. And we will have more. Verse 6. For the Lord has called you, directed you, guided you, as a woman forsaken and grieved in spirit. And a wife of your youth when you were refused, says your God. Verse 7. For a small moment have I forsaken you, but with great mercies will I gather you. There was a time in humanity. The spirit had to be forsaken. We were filled with sin and darkness and death and ignorance. God could not look on us. If he did, he would kill us, not because he's so righteous. So for a little while we were forsaken, but he had, had implanted eternity in us. And our spirits were looking, and that's when we got off into idol worship and worshiped many other gods and many civilizations, because it was in us to worship a god. And that this god was here on earth, and we were to work and have a relationship with him. Verse 8. In a little anger, I hid my face from you for a moment. Sometimes even a God has such feelings. He had to go in the bathroom, sort of, take a deep breath, maybe cry, and come on out and deal with us. We were a mess. And he had tried for centuries and centuries and centuries to talk to us. He had sent prophets and teachers and deliverers. And we just wouldn't listen. The flesh was strong. Even That's why I told you that story about me and the prison system. I wouldn't stop. Even though my father told me. Did I believe that God talked to him? Yes. Why would my father, my father, earthly father, lie? But I didn't stop. And he had to come back again. Because the flesh wants to do its own thing so my spirit had to rise up sort of look at what I had done figure it out and go this is not of God and I had to pray for strength to unbind from this prison ministry and to let it go and it was hard because my soul wanted to do it Satan was helping me the letters were coming from prisoners. I had models in the world and on television about prison ministries, but I had no money. And it was costing me time and energy, paper and ink. And I was frustrated and getting angry. I was getting angry at the prisoners because my calling was spiritual work. In the spirit, a teacher, I had part of it right, teaching, but it was the manner I was doing it. Because my calling, how I got started, was with multi-generational Satanists. People who move in the Spirit, that's where I was going. And that's where Christ Jesus is now. 
And that's where the father is. I was trying to get there, even though I didn't know that I was trying to get there. I was trying to be like other ministries and do what they did. And I even said, why can't I do it? They're doing it. My flesh was strong. And I'm sure God was angry and he couldn't talk to me. I couldn't reason with me. I wouldn't listen to him. I wouldn't believe him. So he used my father. God may use something else. But he used something that I knew had never happened. Still didn't work. Took another round of it. And I remember the sadness of my soul. When I was cutting up everything. And I was stopping it. And the letters were still coming. And I didn't respond back. I learned that Satan was talking to him. You write her. They're lonely people. And I had to learn how to let God direct me. In the work I was to do. To be a life giving spirit. Like we're doing today. Verse 19. For this, having everlasting kindness, will I have mercy on you. He says, okay, I'm coming out of the bathroom. I'm going to let my anger pass. Because I am filled with kindness and love. And I will have mercy on you. For this, I will have unto me. For as I have sworn that the waters of Noah should no more Go over the earth. So have I sworn. That I would not be. Angry or at wrath. With you. Nor rebuke you. He had to take an oath to himself. Not to be mad. I have to do that a lot. I have to keep looking with spiritual eyes. And see the condition of the spirit. And the condition of the soul. I have to separate them. I had to see what I was getting angry at with people was the soul. And the systems that are set up were spiritual in nature. And people were buying into them. And I had to look with the eyes of Christ to the spiritual condition of the spirit in everybody. Verse 10. For the mountains shall depart and the hills will be removed. But my kindness shall not depart from you. Neither shall the covenant of my peace be removed, says the Lord that has mercy on me. He still had a goal. He's not going to let that momentary anger separate us. He's got a plan. He has his goals. He's working. Psalms, verse 11 Oh, you afflicted, you're tossed with the tempest, he says. Waves of storms, winds of a storm. You're not comforted. Behold, I will lay your stones with fair colors and lay your foundations with sapphires. He's telling us your spirit is a mess. It's in a storm. It's desolate. It's afflicted. It's being tossed around because it is so connected one with your soul and the soul is like this he says but in directing your work in truth I'm going to rebuild you I'm going to lay your stones of your city of your temple with fair colors and lay your foundations 
of your spirit and its knowledge and wisdom with sapphires. Verse 12. And I will make your windows of aggregates and your gates of carbuncles, all your borders of pleasant stones. He's basically, if you study Lucifer, his whole body was covering of stones. He's telling us, I'm going to take this desolate city, this windswept, I'm going to rebuild it. I'm going to direct you through my kindness and my mercy and my love. And I'm going to, not you, I'm going to rebuild you spiritually. I'm going to put everything in there that's beautiful. The foundations are beauty. I'm going to lay it with sapphires and carbuncles and pleasant stones. Verse 13. And all your children shall be taught of the Lord. Saying, you must become a life-giving spirit. And great shall be the peace of your children. Verse 14. In righteousness shall you be established. Through righteousness. That's going to be the cross later. Through right standing with me. The law has been appeased. Fulfilled. You, spirit man, will be established. You shall be far from oppression. For you shall not fear any more. And you will be far from terror. For it shall not come near to you. Sounds good to me. Because these were things that our spirit was oppressed. It was dealing with fear and storms and stuff. And it was coming near us. It was coming through the the soul and it was coming back here in the spirit world it was being attacked from both ways even in the flesh Satan could reach I learned through multi-generational Satan that the spirit can be very deeply connected to Satan and his demons and actually their pattern of their kingdom was showing me the pattern that was supposed to be for Christians. The spirit was back here connected to Satan. And it was priests and kings and it was doing behind the scenes spiritual work to control the world, the culture, the nation, the people. They would move in and out of people spiritually. And they'd bring their demons with them. I experienced that on the telephone, in person. Watch people come into pastors and preachers and teach. Talk through their physical bodies. Because those were not that important to God or to Satan. The spirit was back here. And that's where God was trying to get to. Because it was one with the soul. He was trying to separate them out. Rebuild the spirit. Get it reconnected to him so he can work with it. But in multi-generational Satanism, and most of the people I started with in the occult, their spirits are already connected to the spirit realm in the kingdom of darkness. Powerful stuff. And I had to be able to determine spiritually and discern a human spirit, demonic spirit, an angel, God, Satan. All on the telephone. All in person. I started seeing things everywhere. Both sides. And that was through the gift of discerning of spirits. And he is saying to you the condition of your spirit. So when Christ Jesus came on earth. He says I don't judge you. 
with my earthly eyes or my earthly ears. That's not what I'm doing. I'm judging you with my spiritual eyes, my spiritual knowledge, my spiritual ears, the condition of your spirit. I'm looking there. What we're learning is that God was drawing, directing, and calling humanity to his son, his word, as the father was drawn. Christ tells us, I'm not drawing you. The Father is drawing you to me. Now let's get back to John six, twenty-five through 66, verse 46. Not that any spiritual man has ever seen or perceived or has known the Father. At this time, nobody did. This was another aspect of God. This Father said, God in this type of spiritual relationship we had to have knowledge of it we had to learn about this relationship and come willingly into it save except he meaning me which is of God I the word know about this this God is father for he created me and he created me in his image and his likeness Christ is telling us I'm his offspring his breathing out how you would relate it is if you see the sun you see the rays of light coming down that's the breathing out of that center part of the sun it's an expression of breathing out of the sun his child this Christ is saying this person me has seen you've seen me this truth I'm here the spirit this Christ was talking to him he was trying to get to their spirits he says you see me I'm from the father the father has sent me this is the truth in this type of personal relationship this was all foreign to them you didn't have relationships in this way with a God you just obeyed him and you prayed to him you tried to get them to bless you that was about it but there wasn't any of this other kind of family relationships with him Matthew eleven twenty seven says these are the red words of Christ all things are delivered unto me he says of my father and no man knows the son the word yet but the father only only these two know what's going on at this time neither knows or has the truth and is in this relationship with God as their father it's not there yet except the son and he that spiritual man to whomsoever the son Christ the word the spirit of the son will reveal this truth to some people were willingly to go oh this God of our fathers is our father they were seeking it they were not satisfied in their religion as it was these early disciples were looking for this Messiah they were searching trying to find him they were not satisfied with the way it was in the synagogues or the churches Pastor Deborah became the same way. And I put up on the website the Brownsville Revival. It was different. For years and years and years, I was in the presence of God himself. 
I was birthed, cleansed for my work to do in deliverance and healing, was introduced into the deep, dark spiritual realm on both sides. I learned that God's people were dry, had gotten in sin, had gotten stuck in religion, and they needed a personal relationship, a touch from this God. I got it. So did my son. I'm going to be putting his book up. I learned God had a plan for my life, and it wasn't to sit on the pews. And he started teaching me and calling me. Because I was running after truth. I had started doing that early in my years when I would read biographies of people. I wanted to know about their lives. I wanted to know truth. I read science things. I still do documentaries and science. I want to know history. I don't want to read make-believe stories. But what God would do with me is I would watch the make-believe stories. The movies. Read the books. And God would open them up. He opened up the miracle worker. Now that's a true story. He opened up the matrix with Neil Anderson. Powerful, powerful spiritual stuff. And all the other movies that I watched. A lot of them are listed. And he showed to me. Because God was always working. He was using every mechanism. Books and movies and radio. Music. To shine out and speak and call us. And once I got there. Everything opened. It was powerful. But I wasn't there at the time I was beginning. But I was being drawn. I went to church seven nights a week. Till one or two o'clock in the morning. And worked a job. And raised a family. Loved it. Oh I was tired. I remember the first Christmas we didn't have church for two weeks. I was so sad and depressed. I loved this presence. I loved the music. And then eventually what God had to do. I had gotten so dependent on going to church. Doing the praise and worshiping there with music. Led by the music minister. It happened to be Lyndall. Lyndall Cooley at the time. Listening to testimonies. Listen to Steve Hill preach for 45 minutes. Then have an altar call. Then get prayer. And I used to go, do I have to wait till all that time to get prayer for you to touch me? And so God started saying I wasn't satisfied waiting. I wanted a touch. So he started de, uh, helping me to not be dependent anymore on humans. So he told me, don't go to church this night. Too much evil there. Didn't understand it. But once I saw it, I saw the demonic spirits coming through humans' hands. I learned. If he says don't get it, I didn't. Then what happened was, He told me, you will no longer get your touch from me through human hands. They won't. They're not going to happen anymore. I go, well, how am I going to get this? I want to be touched by you. I want your present. So I didn't believe him. Because this has been gone on for two, three, four years. So I'd go and ask a prayer team member to touch me. You know, touch her, Lord. But before the hand could touch me, Pastor Deborah always fell. And I'd get up and they said, We didn't touch you. I know. I'd try it again. Nobody took me down. God was showing me, I can touch you anywhere. I don't need a human being. You don't need a church service. Don't need to wait till a certain time or a certain song. So he started touching me at home. I'd read Psalms and be out. I'd read or something, I'd be out. 
He was showing me I can touch you anywhere. I can reach you. You don't have to be dependent on a human being. So I had to learn. I was getting redirected. And he didn't want me to be dependent on church services, on things that were set up in religion. He wanted me to be completely dependent on him. And if he said, stop, I want to touch you, it could be anywhere. He said, only I can draw you to the Father, to this truth. Listen to the drawing, the calling to come to this work. This believing and knowing that the Son is the Son of the Father. And about the Son and the Father. Matthew eleven twenty-eight through 30. Red words of Christ Jesus. Come unto me, to the Father and the Son. All you that labor, that work for this truth, this knowledge, this relationship. That are in religion. That are in the flesh through rituals. Through your dead works, your flesh, your prayers, your submission and obedience. You who are heavy laden with these things. My heart breaks for everybody that has to do all these works. Spin beads. Have prayer beads. Light candles. Pray five and six times a day. Carry a prayer rug around that are taught how to wear clothes that have to attend services. And if you don't go, you're shamed and humiliated and you are belittled. Those that have to feed and bring earthly food to a statue or pour water on it, my heart cries for those that are in the spirit that have to eat human flesh and drink blood with urine in it and kill babies and eat their hearts. All to be a priest unto him. My heart aches as his does. He says that's not how it's supposed to be. You don't have to do that. He said come unto me. Not through your prayers and your flesh. Not even what your spirit's doing in darkness. You're heavy laden he says. You're burdened with all these works of darkness and ignorance. Of trying to get. Your way to me. To get me to love you. To be obedient to me. A loving father just wants you to love him. Freely. Oh you will obey. But in an occult world you obey. To prove your love. You will do anything. Because you are afraid of being punished and killed. That's not a loving father. Or a loving God at all. And he says, And I, the Son, the Spirit of the Word, will give you rest in these works. For I will direct your work in truth. Even Pastor Deborah had to have rest about what I was doing. Sometimes I am sent. I was just sent for a couple of years to a flea market, at the T&W flea market, to reach out to those that would come there and to ordain them to love on them and when that time was done it's like going on a missionary trip I was finished now I'm at home coming to you in the spirit through the videos teaching and writing I have lots of new things I have to do because I am overflowing with this stuff 
and it just has to come out and I don't take offerings or tithe I don't charge for anything don't need it so he says I must direct your work I am a type that as most of us I get addicted to things I got addicted to the church service to get the presence of the Lord and at some point when it becomes such a bondage my story of the pew which I don't know if I'm going to read it to you or not it has to be broken off of you I had become so dependent on man to come God to come through him and touch me and to get forgiveness of my sins and to praise and worship him God had to do a work verse 29 spiritually take my yoke a yoke was put where two people work together connect your spirit to me he's saying believe in me let me direct your work let me walk with you get connected to me he's saying in believing in this work and rest I will get you where you where your heart desires to go and learn of me study in connection with me the spirit and the son you will learn he says of the father and be connected to him also this is wonderful I link to the word the word is linked to the father but the father is in the word so when I'm linked to the word I'm already linked to the father and I learn over time how to be in a relationship to this God with many facets who can be a father to me can also be a judge of the universe can be a God and a sustainer can be a deliverer and a healer but I learned all that through the word through Christ by learning coming to the word I'm coming to the father who's drawing me and I am being connected to the father I am meek he says I'm quiet yet I'm strong and I'm lowly in heart not prideful I'm not arrogant I'm not filled with haughtiness the word is saying and you shall find rest for your souls my soul even needed to be at rest it needed to find this connection remember it's in this tempest it's being rocked with fear and uh, Satan and death it's in ignorance and he is saying it too can be in rest but let your spirit lead the way it's the king it forgot it let it guide let it come spiritually like you are here today and your soul when you get back in your soul your physical body your spirit a light will shine out and your spirit will start being renewed and it too with enough light will say I want that that old stuff that old soul it must die Pastor Deborah's story is in its time talks about that so yes the father draws the spirit to get to the spirit and then the spirit is drawn and then drawing the soul verse 30 for my yoke my connection my bonds they are easy 
And my burden is light. My relationship is light. Jeremiah 6.16 Thus says the Lord, Stand you in the way and see and ask for the old path. That means the original way it was supposed to be. Where is the good way? And walk therein. And you shall find rest for your souls. Our souls, our mental, biological brain, our hidden man of the heart, the old man, the soul, it needs rest too. It is stressed and fearful and angry and lives in darkness. But they said to Jeremiah, we will not do that. We will not seek the old ways from the days of the beginning, the ancient eternal ways. We won't walk there. We won't live there. We ain't going to do that, Jeremiah. Now let's get back to John six, twenty-five through 66, verse 47. Hopefully you're seeing that throughout the whole Old Testament, who this Jesus is referring to, we were told, get connected, come back to me, come back to the old path. And we refused. Humanity is like that. They're in such darkness and ignorance and chains and bonds. And they're so rebellious. We ain't doing that. But God is faithful. He keeps working. Verse 47. Truly, truly, I... That's the Son, Christ Jesus. The Word say unto you, He that believes on me, the Son, the Christ, the Messiah, the Word of God, the King, has everlasting. When you believe that Christ is the Son of God, you got it. You get the Holy Spirit. You get the everlasting life, the truth. House in you. Yes. You want to believe? Okay. You want that everlasting? No problem. Father, everyone who wants it, who wants to have this connection with this God of Christ Jesus and be connected with Him as a child. For you have drawn them, Father, by your word. Father. All those that hear this, see this, no matter where they are, you have drawn them to yourself. Father, grant their heart's desire and yours that this connection be remade. The old paths have been found. They believe on you and give them everlasting life. Great. Now let's keep going. Verse 48, I am that bread of life. You just ate of the bread of life when you believed. Verse 49, your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness. Yes, they did. And they're all dead spiritually. Even though they ate earthly food that was provided in a supernatural way. They were still spiritually dead. The time had not come. We feed as human beings many people social care. We give them free food, free health care, free homes, free this, free that. Doesn't change them. 
They just follow you for more free stuff. They are still spiritually dead. Yes, even though you loved on them with earthly things, you gave them food and clothes, they're still spiritually dead. Because a spiritually dead spirit, his soul is the king. And the soul can love you with earthly love for giving it free things. But the spirit is not changed. It's not reconnected. Verse 50. This is the bread which comes down. Uh Uh-oh. From heaven. That a man may eat thereof and not die. Can you imagine if you gave out and he says, Hey, I, the Spirit of God, the Word, one you're listening to, not Pastor Deborah here. I am the true bread, the true manna. If you eat, you believe on me. You connect back to me, the old path. You believe in what I'm saying and you let the Father draw you to me. You'll never die, he says. Those were strange words for these people. And when you're talking spiritual stuff, it is strange, even to Christians. I used to be called, I'm too heavenly minded to be any earthly good. The church has become an earthly religion. People in unity. They're not spiritually minded. Verse 51. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. So there must be dead bread and there's living bread. If any spiritual man eat, believes in this truth, this bread, he shall live forever. That was some powerful teaching. They had never heard that. You try doing that to a Scientologist, a Mormon, to an Islamic person. It says, if you eat of this food I am giving you now, this love of a heavenly father, and you will live forever. What do you think they would think about you? The soul, this is all foolishness. And there are fortresses and walls. So when your words come in, they are not going to penetrate it. Only the Father can draw the Spirit. But when He starts drawing them to you, so you can speak words of love, this is what happened to Pastor Deborah. And yet this words of love start affecting people spiritually. As it did in the occult, multi-generational Satanism, Illuminati, many of the world politicians and leaders that Pastor Deborah has dealt with. The enemy gets upset because you're messing with his spiritual product that he created in the darkness. And they want to leave him and believe in, be connected to this loving father and his son and he comes after the messenger pastor deborah to try to kill you i've been shot at my car's been shot at i live under surveillance all the time i have been poisoned i have been threatened i have been attacked in my own home by my own husband by my own brother it's vicious 
This Satan does not want to let his slaves, his property, his possessions go. He hates this Jesus. He has convinced them he is not a God. He's not the son of God. He's just a teacher and a prophet. He died, but he didn't rise again. So when you start giving these words, living manna, living words, living bread, and the Father is drawing them, you better be prepared. So in verse 51 he says, I, this is the Son, in the living bread which came down from heaven. If any spiritual man eat or believe in me, he says, this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Oh, that was strange to them. You're going to give us our flesh? Well, that's what we do with the animals. He goes, yeah, I'm a lamb. I'm going to give it up. I'm going to give up my physical body, my soul, and my spirit for the life of the world. He was interested in the governing system. What was going on in my spirit? That's a world in there, he says. And I want it back. I want to be the king of that world. But that world inside of Pastor Deborah, okay, before she was uh, saved at three or four, there was a world of darkness in here. And it ruled the spirit and the soul through the flesh and Satan and darkness and ignorance. So he says, I'm coming to give life back to that system. I'm going to be the life to the spirit. And I'm going to change that system inside the spirit. I'm going to change the world. Change the kingdom. Now, let's turn to John 3. 1 through 13. It will help us a little bit more to understand who this Nicodemus is. Why he had to come and talk to privately. Uh, to Jesus Christ about this matter that was being discussed among the multitudes. Verse 1. There was a man of the Pharisees. Now to help you understand what a Pharisee is, let's define it. It means a separated one who apparently was responsible for the transformation of Judaism from a religion of sacrifice to one of law. They taught a twofold law, written and oral. This is where Nicodemus was trained. He was a Pharisee, which was the way to God, this written and oral law, not through the sacrifices. They believed in the whole Old Testament, angels and demons and bodily resurrection. But if one was a Sadducee, you were a part of the religious group which formed during the intertestament period between the Old and the New Testament. They opposed the oral law, accepting the Pentateuch, the five first five books of the Old Testament. As the ultimate authority. Division was already happening right then and there. They did not believe in life 
after death, as the Pharisees did, or rewards or punishment beyond this life. You got what you were going to get in this earthly life, and there was nothing was going to happen to you afterwards. And they denied the existence, the Sadducees, of angels and demons. They did not believe that God was really concerned with what people did, but held that people were totally free, which was not what the Pharisees believed. And as I said, Nicodemus was a Pharisee, and he was a ruler of the Jews. Verse 2, And the same Nicodemus came to Jesus by night, very secretive, couldn't come in the open because he might get in trouble, and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that you do except God be with him. Verse 3. Jesus answered Nicodemus and said unto him, Truly, truly, I say unto you, except a man, a spiritual being, he means, inside of a dirt body, be born again. He cannot see, perceive the kingdom of God. What a powerful statement. I could talk about it to the kingdom of God. But yet the spirit would not get it. This meant the spiritual influence of signs and wonders and miracles he has been doing of God. The unseen kingdom of heaven. You might see the miracles, but you don't understand where they come from, why they're happening. The kingdom, the rulership, the dominion of God's authority on earth. Verse 4, Nicodemus said unto him, How can a man, he's thinking of an earthly body now, be born when he's old? That don't make any sense to me, young rabbi. When you're grown, that, mm, that ain't going to happen. Can he, enter the, in, can he enter the second time into his mother's womb, go back into the same physical body? Of their earthly mother and be born? This, you talking foolishness here, buddy. This is the question of a heart seeking truth and understanding and didn't have the answers. Verse 5 Jesus answered Nicodemus, Please recognize that God, through his word, desires to talk to us and interact with us and help us direct our work of his getting to see this kingdom of God and to see it in truth. He wants to talk to us about it. He wants us to ask him questions. He wants us to come to him just like Nicodemus did. And boy, will we be shocked just like Nicodemus and this young guy, this Jesus, said, Truly, truly, Nicodemus, I say unto you, Except a man, now he's meaning a spiritual being, that part of us, but Nicodemus isn't getting it yet, be born, rebirth, recreated of water 
and of the spirit he cannot enter into the kingdom of God these were strange words to this Pharisee this learned man have you ever tried to talk to learned spiritual leaders teachers Bible college professors it's powerful stuff here what born of water what does that mean and of the spirit what is that enter into the kingdom of God I have no idea what you're talking about buddy what is that never heard of the kingdom a heart that is seeking will ask these kind of questions wanting to know and if you are a shepherd or a teacher a pastor you have to be prepared verse 6 that which is born of the flesh from Adam and Eve dead spiritual creations to God the fallen carnal nature of disobedience sin and rebellion born of the nature of the ruler the king of the flesh sin death and the image and likeness of Satan's heart now he didn't say all that to Pharisee that's Pastor Deborah expanded version is flesh if you're born that way you're nothing but flesh spirit man that's what he's telling Nicodemus this is wonderful deep spiritual teaching that you have to learn how to do Pastor Deborah had to hear it learn it study it read books watch movies watch people who had it studied a lot about the spirit the soul and the flesh watchman knee has some wonderful books read many books on the occult that helped watch read many things to learn even mental health books and that a man that means the spirit part of us which is born of the spirit is spirit Oh boy, can you imagine what Nicodemus must thought? And many people, unless you move in the gifts of the Spirit and are working directly with the Spirit, the flesh cannot understand this. So a lot of times when people are trying to help people understand and believe that what they're believing in could be wrong, you're just talking soul to soul, flesh to flesh. You're not going to get there till you get to the spirit the soul can be highly educated it can have history and a lot of knowledge and you can battle and talk and debate soul to soul and they can agree with you or disagree with you but until you get into the spirit and the spirit is drawn by the love of God and his mercy and forgiveness into a relationship with him as father through the word in the spirit like we're doing now you're not getting anywhere you're just fighting with debating the soul you might have great stuff but the soul can be highly educated PhDs scientists doctors lawyers of the law of the no all kind of PhDs but you're not reaching the spirit yet the spirit is sunk in that stuff sometimes it's in a trance sometimes it's asleep it's out of its body this is spirit to spirit work 
The words of God are spirit and truth to the spirit. He says, verse 7, Don't marvel at this. Marvel not. Don't get hung up upon this, what I just said unto you, that you must be born again. It's no biggie. Verse 8, The wind blows where it goes, and you hear it, the sound of it, but you cannot tell where it comes from and where it is going. So is everyone born of the Spirit. I have no idea what you're talking about, says Nicodemus. Wind, where the Spirit's going, what's happening. Keep stuff for the Spirit. What he's trying to tell them is don't marvel. The Spirit will take care of business. It's going where it's directed to go. It's birthing people here, birthing people there, going here, going. You don't know what's going on. Don't get stressed. Just as the wind comes and goes, he says, and you have no knowledge of it, what creates it, what controls it, what guides it, so is the spirit and its rebirthing. How it is reborn again by water in the spirit. You don't know. I do. Verse 9, Nicodemus answered and said unto him, How can these things be? That's a seeking heart. Staying engaged with this word. Reading it over and over. Watching movies. Asking questions. Why? How is this real? Tell me more. That's a seeking heart. Verse 10. Jesus answered and said unto him, Are you a master, a teacher, a rabbi of Israel? And you don't know these things? You can be a learned man of religion, Ph.D., college professors, and not know these things of the Spirit. You can be learned in any faith, any religion, and still not know and understand its deeply spiritual meanings of what you've studied or memorized, been born into, went to school for, am designated teacher of it. He says, Nicodemus, you went to school, you're a learned man, and you don't even know what you learned. You don't have that deep meaning behind it. Verse 11, Truly, truly, I say unto you, Nicodemus, we, me and the others who know about this, my father and I, we speak what we do know, what we are knowledgeable of, and what we know is true. The deeply hidden spiritual truths out of the words of your own book, the Old Testament. Do you know this truth and testify and speak out and declare and demonstrate that, Nicodemus? We have seen, we have personal experience with this truth. A man being born again by water and the Spirit. Where is that in the Old Testament? Can you show me? Are you a learned man with that? Have you peered behind the Spirit? I could probably take... A lot of people are discussing all the other religions. But you must peer behind every word. And find out with the gift of discerning of spirits. And the words of wisdom and knowledge. What spirit is behind those words? Is it the kingdom of light? everlasting life or is it the kingdom of darkness and Satan who's behind the words 
What is the spiritual meaning behind the words? Is one deception? Lies and spells? Is one truth and manna and bread? Nicodemus is trying to find out. And this Jesus is trying to help him. We have ultimate personal knowledge, he says, of this truth. And you receive not our witness, our testimony, and our knowledge. Now, I've shown you some of this. Your Old Testament talks about this. But you don't seem to receive it. Verse 12. If I have told you earthly things. And not these spiritual things. And you believe not these things. How shall you believe? If I tell you of heavenly things. Now we're getting this earthly things, heavenly things. That is what we must all learn about. Verse 13. And no man, no spiritual being, has ascended, gone back up to heaven. But he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man, which is in heaven. That is some deep teaching. When the Holy Spirit and the image and likeness left Adam back in the garden, the Son of Man was there. The Spirit, the image and likeness of God left and went back to heaven. And all we had left down here, whoops, let me get my hand, was another image and likeness. Now the Son of Man, this image and likeness of God, had returned back to its place it was in heaven then it came down when the Holy Spirit baptized Christ in the water now the Son of Man was back the image and likeness of God was back in a human spirit back on earth that's what he's saying now let's get back to John six twenty-five through 66 Verse 51. I am this living bread which came down. Oop, we just talked about that. From heaven. I'm the son of God. The son of man. This image and likeness that you lost. I have come down from heaven. I am here, he says. If any man eat, means believe in this bread. He shall live forever. And the bread, this basic food of life, that I will give is my flesh. I'm going to be a sacrifice for you, like you know about in the Old Testament. So this bread, this truth, this Son of Man, that you originally were, were, this image and likeness, can come back to you. My soul and its physical body, which I will give for the life of the world. He's trying to restore life back to the world, the system of the spirit, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven's influence in the spirit, in the mind of the spirit. He's trying to restore that life, that world. The son of man, the image and light, back to the spirit. And he has to sacrifice himself to get this done. Verse 52. The Jews therefore talked among themselves. 
These were these multitudes saying, How can this man, they're thinking, of the flesh, the carnal body, give us his flesh to eat? What a great question to ask. Now in Satanism, they do eat real flesh of humans, babies, dogs. They drink real blood. Now they put drugs and urine in it. Mm -hmm. I had to learn all about this. It's not pretty, but it is done. Verse 53. Then Jesus said unto these multitudes, unto you who sitting right out there, Truly, truly, I say unto you, except you eat. This is a deep spiritual teaching about believing, taking in, nourishing, letting that word become a part of your spirit and its muscles and its thoughts and its concept. That's what eating means. You take into your spirit and consume it. Jesus continues and talks to these multitudes and says, Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man, okay, and you believe that I'm giving you my flesh, this is my body, this manna, this bread from heaven, and drink his blood, his wine, you have no life in you. Now this was strange because they were told you're not to drink blood in the Old Testament, that the life was in the blood. He's trying to make some deep spiritual connections. Is there spiritual blood? Yes. Is there demonic spiritual blood? Yes. Is there eternal light and truth blood? Yes, for the spirit. Mm-hmm. Verse 54. Whoso eats my flesh, believes in my death, and drinks my blood, has eternal life. And I will raise him up at the last day. Now in Satanism what happens. This is Holy Communion. Bread and wine. It is so perverted that the spirit cannot take it. When they go to a church. If they get saved. Because it has such demonic devilish beliefs and connections spiritually. Eating flesh and blood is listening to truth. Taking in truth is eating. Drinking after you've eaten spiritual wine is holy communion. I have a story about it called You Did Not Get Fed Today. I don't know if it's going to be on this one or another one. But it's well to listen to it. You'll learn a lot about this eating and drinking spiritually. Verse 55. For my flesh... Is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. Verse 56 He that eats my flesh and drinks my blood dwells, lives in me, and I in him. There are some deep, deep teachings about this it, for the Spirit, about taking in beliefs. And concepts and how it becomes a part of your spirit and it gives you love joy peace forgiveness and it's all grown and developed and when you become take it in it nourishes your spirit your spirit feeds on it and grows muscles and strength and beliefs and concepts 
you both the flesh and the blood become a part of the spirit and you are in him and he is in you and as the living father in verse 57 says has sent me and I live by the father so he a spiritual man that eats me believes in me takes me in feeds on me reads about me and I become a part of him even he shall live by me we see that in the natural you eat some food natural food it forms your bones your muscles provides the water for everything to work and you live by the earthly food in your biological body he's trying to show them something they know about but he made a change because he had told them earlier in the Old Testament don't eat any flesh with the blood in it because the blood has the life in it so he's trying to get principles back there he's bringing them in now spiritual, spiritual, spiritual spiritual, spiritual and he's trying to get past the flesh past the earthly concepts to the spirit he's trying to demonstrate things of spiritual nature and influence by signs and wonders he was, that wasn't his major thing to do he was to teach on the kingdom that it had returned inside of him who was the son of man the image and likeness of God and if you believe this and believe on me that I was sent then you too will have that new life you will be reborn as a son of man with this image and likeness that I have the kingdom of heaven will come into you you will have what I have you will be like me I will be in you the word the father and you will be in me again this connection will be returned the relationship will be as it was in the old days the old past in the garden before the fall verse 58 this is that bread which came down from heaven not as your fathers did eat manna and are dead spiritually separated from God not in that father child relationship still held in captivity by death hell and the grave he that eats of this bread believes what I'm telling you shall live forever verse 59 these things said he Christ Jesus in a synagogue in church as he taught in Capernaum oh boy but that was some church service for sure verse 60 many therefore of his disciples when they heard this said this is too hard of a saying who can even hear it this was too hard for their souls to understand okay but that's what all that was hearing verse 61 when Jesus knew in himself that his disciples murmured. He's getting words of knowledge now. He's discerning of spirit. He's getting words of wisdom. He is actually hearing what they are saying. He knows they're murmuring, complaining at this saying. He said to them, does this offend you? 
this make you mad? He's talking to the soul now. Verse 62. And what if you shall see the Son of Man? That's what he called himself. That's him. The image and likeness of God. Ascend up. What what you going to say about that one? Where he was before. Son of Man was up in heaven. Sitting on the right hand of the... Because that's where he left. The Son of Man came down. Got inside the image and likeness in Christ. And he's going to go back up. The Son of Man, which happens to be a part of God. God stepped out of his spirit nature. And now sits in the Son of Man. Hmm. This is some deep stuff. Verse 63. It is the Spirit that makes alive. The flesh profits nothing. It does not come alive. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit, and they are life. Eat my flesh and drink my blood. These are words of spirit, and they are life for you. Powerful stuff. When you're in religion and you're dead to spirit things, even a multi-generational Satanist, even though his spirit, everybody's spirit is alive, it is either dead to God in darkness and connected to Satan or alive unto God. There's no other way. So a Satanist spirit is alive. It's moving. It's doing. It's connected. It has demons. It's working. Okay? It's in and out of its body, in and out of other bodies, in and out. It's alive. I had to learn that. But it's dead to God. Now God knows it's there. But it has no connection to God. It does not believe. And he is saying that until that part of you, I'm talking to that part. I had trouble with many Satanists, witches, warlocks, and high priests, Illuminati, a lot of people, they're afraid to believe this because they know the power that Satan has on their spirit. And he can hurt them and kill them. So, But that's where Pastor Deborah works, spirit work, in the realm of the spirit, to the spirit with words of spirit and life. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 3.6. Paul, who's speaking to us, who also has made us able ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter, dead words on stone tablets, which represented our hearts of flesh, but the Spirit for the letter, which gives life. John, back to John 6 now, verse 64 But there are some of you here, he says, that you believe not. Well, you could be in church talking to some people and talking wonderful words of truth and and they don't believe. I've learned long ago not to really argue or uh, with people or get in major debates about theology. I just go past that. God anoints me. I go into the Spirit. I see the condition... Of the spirit. If I have to go into the spiritual trance with the spirit. There's a great video called Voice in the Light. 
There's another video called Humpty Dumpty, excellent about falling, and how the spirit is. Some of the stories will tell it, that you'll read tell you the life of the spirit and how it's affected. I go there. Verse 64, For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believed not, and who should betray him. Verse 65, And he said, Therefore say I unto you that no man can come unto me, no spiritual man, except it were given unto him of my Father. The Father must draw them. He must call them. He brings them. In dreams and visions and spirit, like all of you are here today, the Father brought you. Verse 66, From that time on, many of his disciples, which there were a lot of followers, went back. They left him, and they walked with him no more. Some of us will follow God for a little while till we get persecuted. Tribulations come. Thought of losing family, money, jobs, we back off. Some of us will be threatened. If you don't come home, we're going to do this. So a lot of people go back. To, And what would you do? Would you draw back from him or would you go forward? Would you allow him to direct your path? Your work in truth? Would you go down the road with him as the little one in the video blogs? Would you ask him a lot of questions? Are you a seeker of truth? Or just earthly carnal knowledge? I'm going to read to you some of Pastor Deborah, my stories, to help you what this looks like and how Pastor Deborah walked this walk and was directed. And then you can ask yourself, are you going that way? How do I help them story? Very early in my spiritual training and growth from the Most High God, I would cry at every praise and worship song, Oh, not for me, but for them, the least of King Jesus' brethren, those of Matthew twenty-five, thirty-one through 45. You say I could sing songs of praise and worship to my Heavenly Father. I could worship Him in spirit and in truth. But they could not. So I would cry and cry to him to help them and to set them spiritually free. Jesus' spiritual brethren who were spiritually abused, tortured, spiritually lived in the fear of death, addicted to drugs and sex and gambling, crime and money, power and fame, those in gangs, those in vampirism, those in the gothic community, the heavy metal musicians, those living in great darkness and ignorance of agape love, those living in spiritual trances, deep sleeps, those who are mind-controlled slaves living in a matrix, those living in self-created worlds of safety, those who were slaves to Satan, through multi-generational Satanism, the occult, slaves to meetings and rituals, oaths and blood, those who were sex trafficked, sexually abused, in incest, and in the pornography industry, 
I would cry and cry and cry to God, the Most High, to help them. I saw them everywhere. I would see them spiritually in bondage to the fear of death in their deep spiritual sleeps. And I would see them in the spirit as I would search and silently cry out for someone to help them. My spiritual heart would break under the heavy burden for them. The spiritually least of Jesus, the Son of Man's spiritual brethren. Because of a loving Heavenly Father who wanted to spiritually reach them, touch them with his agape love as he had done to me, he said to me, I have no one who will go for me, so therefore I am sending you to their dark spiritual world. And each and every time I would cry out to him for them, he would say to me, Get closer to me. What are you talking about? And I said, How is getting closer to you going to help them? And he said to me, Get closer to me. So I did. I got closer to the Heavenly Father. I studied him more. I studied his word more. I studied his ways, his heart, his laws, his battle tactics, his power, his angels, his son, the son of man. I studied his purposes, his agape love, his healing, his ways of dealing with demons, sickness and disease. I studied his glory, his rules, his kingdom, his spiritual blessings. His spiritual curses, his judgments and justice, his spiritual nature. I got spiritually closer to God, the Most High, through reading and studying his written word. I prayed more. I repented, turned from evil more. I spiritually and emotionally loosed myself from more things, more people and places. I humbled myself more. I fought temptations more and harder. I was tried by fire more and more. I was tested more and more. I praised more by myself. I worshipped by laying prostrate on the floor in church and at home. I was on my knees more. I read more books I spiritually listened to more of God's voice. He was speaking to me out of his written word. I spent more time with him, one on one. He would ask me to stay home from church and from working for him, just to have a date with him, alone at home, just to be with him. You see, he had this philosophy, thought that, He knew he was a rich God and that his people only loved him because of the goodies he could give them, not because they wanted to be with him. So I said, I don't want anything. I've already got it all. I will stay home with you. I became aware at times 
when I could spiritually sense his moods. Some days he was grieved because of his children and was lonely. Some days he was sad over many things and needed to be comforted himself. Some days he was joyful and filled with overflowing joy. I spiritually learned what he really wants is for his spiritual children to just want to be with him, not to be anointed or to be blessed or want just his power or to just be satisfied with being a servant of his. I spiritually learned the Most High God is like a very, very rich man. He doesn't know if you really love him and want to be with him because he has blessings to give you. Or if he took all the gifts and the blessings and the ministry and the opportunities away, would you still want and love him? I spiritually learned much about his spiritual powers and abilities. I learned how to ask him to do what seemed impossible and to reach and to help the spiritually least of Jesus' brethren. I learned to know the heart and mind of God. And through this spiritual journey, I became spiritually closer to him as he directed me to do. He was directing me in the work I was to do in truth. I became spiritually close to God, the Most High, just as he was with Adam, with Noah and Moses, Joshua and King David, all the prophets, and the closest of all, Christ, his spiritual son. God the Most High and I became spiritual partners, one in spirit. He would even take counsel with me by asking me what I thought would be a good battle strategy on many occasions to defeat Satan on earth and to glorify himself as he is in heaven. Even today, we take spiritual counsel together to set precious spiritual captives free of Satan and of darkness and ignorance. But mostly I've learned to ask of him the impossible and to trust him 100% to provide it. I spend more and more time with him in the spirit and in his throne room in heaven. I did not know the answer to my question of how do I help them would come by getting closer and closer to God the Most High my Heavenly Father so now I stay very very close to God the Most High and he answers the prayers the petitions he leads me still directing me in my work to pray to him if you go look at I think I just put it up called Operation Capture and you will learn how God desires to lead you in your work, even your prayers and petitions to him in truth. To pray to him and precious spiritual children are set spiritually free and step out of the spiritual darkness, the ignorance of the kingdom of darkness. 
and into the kingdom of light and truth, the kingdom of agape love. Take that, Satan. Here's another one of my early stories about how God was leading me from his word, directing me on the old path that I should go. It's a powerful story called The Whirlwind of Destruction. It occurred at the Brownsville Revival when Steve Hill, the evangelist, was preaching one night. And so listen, very powerful story. The Whirlwind of Destruction. This story is about taking more tests. And though the test was unknown to me at the time, this test took place in a church, Brownsville Revival Service. Many of our spiritual tests each of us must take if one is to be spiritually one, intimate with the Heavenly Father, His Son, Christ, the Word of God, and a true ambassador and king of the kingdom of heaven. Of course, at the time, neither I nor will you know you're being tested. And usually the tests come upon us suddenly and without warning. My test came during the preaching from a pastor that was Steve Hill, his preacher, he's an evangelist, who was speaking about the spiritual judgment of the Most High God to help us. So we would turn away from and repent from our sins against the Lord. So his whirlwind of destruction would not come upon us because of our disobedience as born-again believers of Christ Jesus. Proverbs 1, 24-32 Authorized King James Version Verse 24 The Lord Most High talking to us Because I the Lord have spiritually called you and you, O spirit man, Pastor Debray is talking to, refuse to spiritually answer me. I, the Lord, have spiritually stretched out my spiritual hand in agape love and mercy and forgiveness and counsel and truth and knowledge and wisdom and understanding out in judgment and instruction, equality and righteousness. And no man regarded it, accepted it, wanted it, desired it, sought after it, or reached for it. My hand. Well, Pastor Deborah did. No spiritual man looked for me. No spiritual man had respect for me. No spiritual man had any affection or love for me. No spiritual man considered my hand because the spirit was in the flesh it had not been born again yet it was dead to God remember that it was in a trance it was still in the kingdom of darkness no spiritual man paid any attention to me no spiritual man considered my hand valuable no spiritual man had any love for my hand verse 25 but you, O oh man, have spiritually set at nothing. All my spiritual counsel, my advice, my guidance, my truth, my purposes, my will, my plan, my desires, my laws, my statutes and commandments, 
my ordinances and plans. And you, O spiritual man, would have none of my spiritual reproof, my correction, correction, rebuke, and criticism. We surely weren't listening. Dullness of hearing for sure. Psalms 107, 10 through 11. Verse 10. Such as sit in spiritual darkness and ignorance, in spiritual death, and in the spiritual shadow of spiritual death, being spiritually bound in spiritual affliction and iron. Why? Verse 11. Because they, these spiritual men, spiritually rebelled, broke my laws, disobeyed me, were lawless against my spiritual words of me. God, the Lord, the Most High, the King of the universe, your counsel and your purposes were not what we wanted. We said, we don't want that. We don't want you to be a king. We don't want you to be our leader. We don't want your truth. We don't want you talking to us. Thank you very much. Verse 4. He, the Lord that spiritually sits in the spiritual heavens, shall laugh at us. The Lord shall have them in derision, ridicule, scorn, and contempt. Verse 5. Then shall he, the Lord, spiritually speak unto them in his spiritual anger and vex and trouble them in his sore displeasure remember this was what Steve was trying to tell us when you disobey this is how God responds back then in the Old Testament back to Proverbs 1 24 through 32 verse 27 when you O spirit man when fear comes as desolation And your destruction comes as a whirlwind. When distress and anguish comes upon you. Oh boy, isn't that happening now? For some people, doesn't matter what, uh, cancer, here it comes. COVID, here it comes. Some people are feeling it right now when there's elections and the country seems to be a mess or who, it's coming. Verse 28. Then shall they, the spirit man, call upon me, the Lord spiritually. But I, the Lord, will not spiritually answer. They shall spiritually seek me very early. But they're not going to find me spiritually. Why would you, O Lord, do such a thing? We thought you loved us. Verse 29. For that they, the spiritual men, hated my, the Lord's spiritual knowledge. And they spiritually did not choose the fear, the respect, the honor of the Lord. Job 21, 7 through 15. Verse 7. Wherefore do the spiritually wicked live, become old? Yes, are spiritually mighty in power. Verse 8. Their seed, their children, is established in their sight with them. And their offspring before their eyes verse 9 their houses are safe from fear neither is their spiritual neither is the spiritual rod of God upon them we see that with a lot of politicians corrupt 
leaders, business practices, husbands, religious leaders. Mm-hmm. Right there. Verse 10. Their bull genders and fails not. Their cow calves and the calves not doesn't cast them away. Everything's going fine for them. Verse 11. They, the spiritually wicked, send forth their little ones like a flock. And their children dance. Everybody's happy. Verse 12. They take the timbrel and the harp and they rejoice at the sound of the organ. Verse 13. They spend their days in wealth. And in a moment go down to the grave. Verse 14. Therefore they, the wicked, spiritually say unto God, The Lord spiritually depart from us. For we spiritually desire not the spiritual knowledge of your spiritual ways. Verse 15. What is the spiritual almighty that we, the spiritually wicked, should spiritually serve him? Good question. A lot of politicians don't even get there. They have desires for money, wealth, legacy, fame. Take care of their family, all their family members. They want to be famous, be in control, have power. They want to change the soul of nations. They want to build in a new global world order. Mm-hmm. A lot of that is going on. Those are the spiritually wicked. Back to Proverbs 1, 24, 32. Through 32. Verse 30. They the wicked. The wicked. Would have none of my. The Lord's spiritual counsel. Knowledge. Wisdom. Or understanding. They the spiritually wicked. Spiritually despised. They looked down on. With contempt. They regarded as worthless. Distasteful. Valueless. With loathing and scorn. All my spiritual reproof. My correction, my discipline, my rebuke and criticism. How many of them say they pray for us? How many of them say they are of a religious faith? And they pray for people. But yet they vote for the abortion and killing of babies. How many of them say it's wrong to lie and they lie on the cameras to us? How many of them have ulterior motives and agendas? How many of them are serving other nations? Gotten in bed with them, taking money from them. They won't have you talk to them, criticize them, rebuke them at all. Verse 31. Therefore, because of this, shall they, the spiritually wicked, eat, partake, be nourished by, and ingest, and be one with the spiritual fruit, the spiritual effects or consequences of their wicked spiritual actions their behaviors their hearts their minds their thoughts their imaginations their desires lust and goals the spiritual product the result the fruit of their spiritually wicked labor of their own wicked spiritual devices their plans and techniques their schemes to deceive their tricks and bewitchments their deceptions and lies their desires and lust. I wouldn't want to be one of them. Now I do have to pray for them. Because judgment's coming. And it's hard to love them. 
because what we see is a soul in darkness the spirit along with it and I have to be able to look with spiritual eyes with the love of Christ at that spirit I just had a young man he's in major problems his dad's in politics he has been spiritually pimped out all his life by his father to other nations he was not his beloved of his father his other brother was this was the second son he has had major problems and the only way he could find some kind of love and acceptance was to be a pimped out be sodomized used and abused by other nations and stuff and I have to deal with him in love and I have and he's okay now and there's some things going on but I have to deal with father family spiritually so I have to have eyes of spiritual love ears of Christ and a heart that sees as God does because I don't want Satan to win no matter what no matter how wicked they are we can't let Satan win so it's a very hard walk don't get tired of all these words of the Lord for they are vital and necessary to spiritual understanding this story This spiritual test on my way to spiritual intimacy, oneness with the Lord, the Heavenly Father in Christ, as Christ Jesus was, was powerful. Job 4, 8, verse 8. Even as I, Job speaking to us, have seen they, the spiritually wicked, in the Lord's eye, his heart, his mind, his, in his opinion and truth. That spiritually plow, engrave, devise, conceal, do in secret, work iniquity and evil, according to the Lord. And sow and plant wickedness, and reap, receive and grow and produce, and get back to themselves the same, iniquity and wickedness. Now back to Proverbs one twenty four through 32 verse 32 for the spiritual turning away of the simple the unknowledgeable shall spiritually physically slay and kill and destroy them and the prosperity the success of spiritual fools shall destroy them so that's the word of God the spirit of life setting that I'm going into this story now back to the story so the preacher the evangelist, the pastor, asked all of the congregation to imagine and take upon ourselves the fear one might have if a tornado, a whirlwind of destruction, was coming near to you. What? The evangelist message was going to be on the whirlwind of destruction. And he wanted us to have a personal, spiritual, mental emotional and physical understanding of fear of destruction the preacher the evangelist wanted us to be aware of the Lord's whirlwind of destruction and it coming near to us the evangelist wanted each of us in the congregation to have a personal spiritual mental emotional and physical understanding and fear of the Lord's judgment 
So he was using the illustration of a tornado. He even had the sanctuary darkened and the sound of wind as if a tornado was coming. Well, I said out loud, No, I will not take on fear or even imagine to do it. I rebuked that in the name of Jesus. The people sitting next to me on the pew told me to be quiet. But I said, no, Satan was going to hear me resist the request to take on fear or even to imagine taking on fear. Thus, I was going to resist him. Did the preacher purposely want us to take on the emotions of, the thoughts of, the imaginations of fear? Or open a door to the demonic spirit of fear? Who would have come right on in? Well, of course not. He just wanted us to have a real feel and understanding of and for the judgments of the Lord. And to be fearful of them so we would not sin. The evangelist wanted us to understand and receive his message. But still, his words were out there. They have been spoken. And a request was made of each one of us. And the words brought either life or death into our spiritual life. A spiritual, emotional, mental request was made of me. And I openly refused to obey, to follow. What do you think the other people spiritually received as they obeyed and submitted to the words of the evangelist? What do you think they received as they imagined what the fear would feel like as they took this fear upon themselves of a tornado, a whirlwind of destruction coming at them? You guess it. They got the fear and the demonic spirit of fear. Please listen to the word of God about fear. 2 Timothy 1.7 For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but one, the Holy Spirit, of power, love, and a sound mind. Hebrews 2.15 And spiritually deliver them who through through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to being a slave in bondage to controlled by not free of sin and death through the fear of death Romans 8.15 for you have not spiritually received the spirit of bondage slavery and control Again to fear. We did the first round. When we fell from the garden. We had a spirit of bondage. Slavery and control. Upon our spirit. But you have spiritually received. The spirit of adoption. Whereby. And how we spiritually cry. Abba Father. Did my fellow pew sitters. Like me speaking out loud. No. But I did not get what they got test complete 
and God and I won. Satan lost. I'm going to finish up part 11 here with one more story. And then we'll be finished with this part. And we'll be able to move on to the last little section of part verse 8. Where it's about I will make an everlasting covenant with you. So I want to tell you one last story. And it is called You Got the Pattern Right. One Sunday I was watching a preacher on TV. And he was teaching on priests and kings. He declared he was the priest with the only spiritual vision for the church. And the church members were the kings. And they were to go out and take financial territory and bring the spoils of war, the money, back to the house of the Lord, to the priest, which was him, of the house. I had never heard this spiritual teaching before, and I didn't know if what the pastor, the preacher, the teacher was teaching was the spiritual truth as God's spirit of truth told him. So I prayed and asked the Heavenly Father if this was true or not. This is how the Lord is teaching you. You must ask him questions. Is this right? Is this the truth? He will direct you to know the truth. Well, the next day while I was driving the car, I had a thought. Hmm. Put on the priest's clothes first, then the armor of God, the king's clothes for battle, sort of like the holy Roman emperor's as he went to war. As I was praying for the day, as I always do usually, I spiritually sleep fully, spiritually clothed in the full armor of God, with the helmet on and the sword of God by my side. But this day, as I was finishing getting fully spiritually dressed, I put the priest's clothes on first, then the spiritual king's clothes for spiritual battle. The whole armor of God. To spiritually wrestle. Against against spiritual wickedness. And to stand against the spiritual enemies. Of the kingdom of heaven. And its royal law of agape love. God's powerful spiritual anointing came upon me. While I was driving the car. That I had not felt in a long, long time. And I said, Lord, what is going on? He said, you got the pattern right. You are a priest first. A king and a warrior second. Both at once. A priest was a spiritual person. A king was a politician who was a warrior. To set captives free. So I spiritually knew that the pastor, the preacher on TV, was spiritually wrong, in error. He was teaching false spiritual truth. So I never watched him again on TV. Priest and king, both at the same time. So now I get spiritually dressed according to the right spiritual pattern of the kingdom of heaven. God the Most High had taught me. I am first his child of the kingdom. Then I had to go on and develop a deeper, mature identity. After I learned about being his spiritual priest and his king and his warrior, my deeper, mature identity 
that I was a son of a God myself, made in the spiritual image and likeness of God himself. I did develop and obtain the spiritual reality, the identity of being a son of God. But it has been much harder to obtain the spiritual reality of my true spiritual identity of being a God myself made in his image after his likeness. Oh, I'm not the big God for he sustains me. I am not self-sustaining as he is. But I am his offspring, his outbreathing. But I am seeking the knowledge and truth about this and how to become this identity within myself and my thoughts and actions. So I became in my heart, my mind and soul, and I would become the true image and likeness of the Heavenly Father himself, a God. So I learned to never be half-dressed and be who and what I am truly in spiritual nature, who my Heavenly Father has prophetically and truthfully said in His Word, I am in His eyes in the kingdom of heaven, a priest, a king, a son, a child of God, a God myself. And that ends part 11. And this part of verse 8. It's taken us a long time to get through this little portion. And I'm going to pick up on, I guess it will be video or verse 8, number 12. I will make an everlasting covenant with them. Then we will be finished with verse 8. How many of you? would like God to direct your path spiritually out of darkness and into light, out of the identity that you have now into what he says you are. How many of you would like him to direct your path in truth into all wisdom and knowledge and spiritual truth from the kingdom of heaven? Just raise your hand Nod your finger. Say yes in your heart. And it is done. He doesn't need much from you. He just needs your free will. And your willingness. And then he begins to work. And if you're not one of his children. Then he will make that come first. You will be born of water. And of the spirit. And you will be circumcised with the Hebrews 4.12. Out of your soul. You will arise a new creature in Christ. Never existed before. Like the little bitty caterpillar. That comes out of the cocoon. And is now a butterfly. You will fly with him. As he leads you and directs you. He will guide you in his way to go. So you can do the work. That he needs you to do. So you can be a life giving spirit. As Pastor Deborah is. And you can walk in his ways, the old ways, in truth. He's doing it now. You don't have to do much with him. He has called you here. He's drawing you. He's waited so long to do this. And you and him will begin a new spiritual type of life together. Walking on the roads, talking and asking questions.
going to be a little rocky for you like it was for Pastor Deborah. Your family and friends may not understand this new you. And they will notice spiritually. And you may have attacks from Satan and his demons. And if they come, just say, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. You cannot have me again. I am not yours. Angels will come and help you. But the relationship is worth it. To come spiritually alive. And out of the darkness of the flesh. Out from the fear of death. And out into the world of the kingdom of heaven. Welcome all of you. And I look forward to teaching you. As many others will. Rejoice. You're back in the family. We're growing every single time. Look at your neighbor. When you get back in your bodies. Look all around the world. They are all your brethren. Some of them are the least of your brothers. Still in darkness. Pray for them. Pray for your family and get on the road and study and learn. Love to you all. From Pastor Deborah from the garden. And I've got to go do some more studying to get ready for the next part of verse 8 of of Isaiah 61. I will make an everlasting covenant with you. Go and watch the other videos and learn and grow. Love always and forever. And I'll see you out there in the realm of the spirit. Bye. Thank you for listening and watching this video. It is an honor and a pleasure to have you stopped by today and watch. This is Pastor Deborah and I hope you come again and watch many, many more videos and learn and grow spiritually. And hear how she has helped people spiritually, the Lord's way, for many, many years. Come again, watch another one. And we welcome you to be a subscriber to the channel, to make comments. And if you wish to contact Pastor Deborah, please email her at her email address for the ministry at Pastor Deborah at Agape Love is org. You can also see these videos on Twitter and on the website in the many different sections that they are put into. Enjoy, and it was once again an honor to have you watch and listen. Thank you, and come again to another video of Agape Love, Love is Here Ministries, a ministry of helping people the Lord's way that Pastor Deborah has been doing for many, many years. Love always and forever, Pastor Deborah.